0: Hey, welcome. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this, wherever you are and whatever you're doing in your life. This is the first episode of Falling Out, and to start with, I'm delighted to present the first half of my interview with Donna Cervelli. Donna was born on the east coast of the U.S., and she was excommunicated from the Unification Church. Excommunicated from a supposed environment where we all belonged to one family under God. But that excommunication is not what this episode is about. You're going to have to wait until episode 2 to get that story. This first episode is the prelude to the excommunication. This one talks about the beginning for Donna, and we're going to go deep into her education, specifically the neglect of her education. Donna has had some very interesting and unique experiences in some of the Unification Church's supposedly educational institutions, and we're going to go deep into that subject. And along the way, we're going to talk about some of the glaring inconsistencies in the application of a supposedly universal truth. There's a heartbreaking story in here about kids going hungry so that a pile of fruit could stand in front of a photo of Reverend Moon. That story alone should tell you everything you need to know about the priorities of the Unification Church. I'm really delighted that Donna said yes to this, and I hope you get a lot out of it. Please also note that this was one of my first episodes, so the beginning is a little janky, but trust me, it gets good. Stick with me. You're going to love it. But first, a brief bio of Donna. Donna Cervelli was born into the Unification Church and grew up near the Unification Theological Seminary in Berrytown, New York, until her family moved back to Staten Island, New York at the request of the Unification Church at the age of eight. Her parents were matched by Reverend Moon and married along with 4,148 other couples at Madison Square Garden in Manhattan in 1982. In high school, she attended New Eden Academy, or NEA, in Connecticut. New Eden Academy is one of many supposedly educational institutions for kids that were born into the Unification Church. There are many of them around the world to this day, as far as I know. They claim to be educational, but at the end of the day, they are indoctrination centers where the only education you get is about the church and what the church wants you to learn. All other academic subjects are pretty much forgotten in these places, as you will hear about in this episode. Donna went on to earn her B.A. at an accredited, thankfully, university, and she now lives in New Jersey with her husband, a guy who is not now nor was never a Mooney. Two children, two dogs, and a burgeoning sense of individuality separated from institutionalized norms. She's more or less happily employed at a company she respects and is becoming more comfortable sharing her background with others in the hopes that her experiences can help someone else feel less alone. Donna's parents are still involved with the church. Donna and I started the interview and uh, I forgot to hit record, but eventually I did, and this is what happened.
1: that thought like that you could ask me to think about what I wished 13 year old me or I would tell mm. somebody in, a, in the position of like thinking about leaving or, or you know yeah. whatever that may be what yeah. advice can I give and yep. what advice I would give to myself
2: yeah
1: I, I honestly it would be that game real or not real you know and like what what kind of questions can you ask yourself about the situation to prove that what you're going through is valid. Mm. You know what I mean?
0: And so what, what, like, okay. What's an example of a question you would have wanted mm-hmm. your 13, year old self to ask? Yep. Cause I, I get uh, you know, yeah. Well, I understand what you're saying completely, but I'm wondering what the yeah. specific question would be.
1: I guess it would be, you know, if your friend were in this situation, what advice would you give mm. them? If this was a good friend of yours, what would you think? You know, if this were, if somebody were going through this, how would you talk them mm. through this
2: mm.
1: and then just go from there, you know, and and I feel like because you're 13 or 14 or 15 and you, all you know is your parents and, and your, the life that's kind of shown to you, I think a lot of it is like, what are my feelings on this? Mm. You know, does this feel me, make me feel good or does this make me feel unsettled? Yeah. And, you know, to get comfortable with exploring with, okay, why does this make you feel unsettled? Mm. You know, what is that feeling of doubt?
2: Mm. And
1: kind of understanding where that may come from. And I think that really, for me, is morality and ethics. And is this true? Is this right? Mm. You know, is this right? Is this true? And if I were to apply this to everybody, you know, to like a larger swath of the population, like, what's that test going to be like, Yeah, you know? So, it's interesting.
0: Yeah, I think you, I mean, I, I sort of remember that when I was kind of going through this whole process as a teenager, like, I, I think, I think that device of just sort of, sort of trying to uh, apply the rules that we were brought, brought up with to other people and saying, yeah. hold on hold on a sec, do these consequences really match? the so the so called crime like mm-hmm. I remember I remember a friend of mine I was in my I was probably I don't know fifteen or sixteen and a really good friend of mine she told me that he had sex and I was like oh my god it like, <laughs> like the first person I knew that like <laughs> I was like wait hold no don't you like don't you know you're like that was like aren't you go, don't you know you're gonna go to hell obviously
2: yeah over <laughs>
0: yeah exactly and then I. But then I thought about it, I was like, well, wait, actually, he's like, a, he's a pretty, pretty good guy. He's like one of my mm-hmm. best friends. And if this, if this whole thought, way of thinking tells me that he is condemned to, you know, mm-hmm. an eternity of hell for doing something that didn't really hurt anyone, that just like you said it's just it's kind of that that little piece of morality that little that, that that starts to 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 make you to make you think wait maybe there's mm-hmm. m- maybe i should i should think about this a little a little more yeah um,
1: maybe i should walk this through yeah you know step one step two and you know i i guess you know like our conversation last week you know we were just we were talking about some of the stuff that had happened to us when we Mm. were, we were kids and things that had happened to us when we were growing up. And, you know, I think I mentioned that, you know, I, I have postpartum anxiety from my first child Mm -hmm. who's six now. And it kind of came back with my second child who's almost a year now. And, you know, one of the, components of anxiety is like overthinking and overthinking mm. situations and mm-hmm. overthinking memories. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and so we have those, con- we talked about like some of the things that happened to us. And one of the things that I've walked away with and, you know, mind you, I'm in my, I'm in 37. Now I needed a conscious effort to leave the church when I was 17. So I'm 20 years removed yeah. from a very conscious decision to leave the theology and the religion of my upbringing and still to this day there's moments where I stop and I question my memories and I question Mm. my reality and think did that really happen Is was that as bad as I remember it happening because I have the I have the physical emotional memories you know Mm. I have that I have those feelings of I guess isolation and loneliness and fear and discomfort but in the grand scheme of things, like those are the things that only I, those were the things that I was familiar with at the time. And so after we talked about the stuff that, you know, I had to go back and I Googled, yes. <laughs> I Googled Unification Church <laughs> and I Googled New Eden Academy. Cause I'm like, no, that couldn't have been as bad as I thought, as I remember it being. And, and just seeing like the news posts, on tp.org about mm-hmm. like the like the whole announcement about the opening of new eden academy mm-hmm. it underscored and underlined the fact that we were brought up in a culture of and I'm sorry I'm going to I'm going to use this word but bullshit mm-hmm. like that's how we were raised and that's the only thing that you know and so when you're raised in a place where the reality of the adults around you is tenuous yeah. and you are re- raised to believe that tenuous reality, I feel like you never really develop a true concrete understanding of your world.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, you know yes. what I mean? And, and yeah. so I guess, I guess to give an example, okay, look. Mm-hmm. So rolling back the tape, yep. I went to New Eden Academy. Yep. New Eden Academy is, was a high school founded by the Unification Church. On the campus of Bridgeport University in Bridgeport, okay. Connecticut. Okay. And so at the time, this, the, I think the Unification Church was very well invested in the University of Bridgeport. Yeah, For anybody familiar or not familiar with the area, it's, you know, it's in a very, I think it's an area of economic decline.
2: Mm.
1: You know, it's not necessarily what you would think about when you think about Connecticut. It's not Greenwich. Yeah. Kind of, it's like a lower socioeconomic area, you know. And it's, it's kind of depressed. And so this, the school, the church came in with a significant amount of funding for the University of Bridgeport. And, you know, from that, they, the church got a dormitory. So there was a full dormitory.
2: Okay.
1: And around 97, 98, okay. they welcomed the first class of students. And I think okay. it was like, there were less than 30. There were about 30 co-ed okay. students.
0: Okay. And um, that was so, across all four mm-hmm. years of high school, basically.
1: Yes, it was supposed okay. to be a college prep, and it's it's so interesting. Okay, so I'm just gonna like. So this is the this is the press release that they had.
0: Oh, this is on. great. I'm so this glad is, you pulled this up. Let, I, this about it. I was like, amazing. I was like,
1: wait a second. No, this is what I experienced. and This okay. is what they were let's, saying. Let's
0: let's catalog so, the BS. Let's 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 hear so it. So let's
1: let's go through it. Yeah. So it's you know. So it was published in April of 1997 for the okay. Unification News, okay. And they described it as, New Eden Academy is a college preparatory residential school committed to moral integrity and academic excellence. We believe intellectual, artistic, and moral character develops best in a God-centered school. The administration, faculty, and curriculum is committed to promote an awareness of God as a loving parent concerned for others. Our academic program integrates cultural information Cultural Information and Technological Literacy, so that graduates may enter top colleges and universities worldwide. The core curriculum will provide a solid grounding in the essential subject matter with options for concentrating in math, science, the social sciences, or arts. The mastery of foreign languages, including Korean language, and the study of world cultures highlights the International Focus of the Academy. And then there's more, but then it also goes into residential life. And, you know, one of the things is that they are talking about a state-of-the-art dormitory and a recreation center. So you have access to the, the college's recreation center. It includes an Olympic-sized swimming pool, racquetball, and indoor tennis courts. Okay. So now we've read the press release. Mm. This is April of 1997. Yeah. For students who are supposed to go start school in September.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. There was no dorm. When we got there the <laughs> dorms weren't completed. Like we were living so the girls were so the boys were staying with the headmaster in his apartment. No. And the yes, and the girls were staying at the home of like I think he was the facilities guy, stroke like the handyman. And the girls were like staying in his family's apartment. And this was through, I don't think we moved into the dorms until February. So we got to school in September, October, November, December, January, February, okay, September. is when we actually moved into the dormitories.
2: Yeah.
1: And that was cool. But when we moved into the dormitories, there was no heat. And I remember, I remember functionally wearing every long sleeved piece of clothing that I owned at that mm-hmm. time until they turned the heat on in like mm-hmm. april so that was the first year yeah and so that was that so wait okay. can i, I just go- ask,
0: so you had so let's so let's, let's say there were 30 kids there so you're saying was it roughly roughly spit, split between between boys and girls
1: like, i think so 15? i i couldn't give you exact numbers but i would i would say it was it was I would say that was fair.
0: Okay, it, so there was a 50 ish Okay, okay. Yeah. So there's fifteen boys living at the house of the headmaster,
1: and 15 yeah, and then girls. fifteen girls living at the home of like.
0: And how can big, I say names? You, how, you can. You can
1: believe we can. It tell, out. We
0: can. We can believe them out later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. His name was Mr. And okay, he was so effectively we were staying in his family's apartment.
0: How big like, was the apartment?
1: It was. It was. It was big enough, but all of the girls were in we were in one of his extra rooms with sleeping bags. You know, essentially. People. Yeah, and then we would go to the dormitories to, like, shower. And mind you, there's no heat. So it's winter. <sighs> it cold? There, I mean, I think there was hot water, but I don't heat. And so that's just the living circumstances. I think what really bugs me, and this is something we also talked about the last uh, time, was the educational aspect. Yeah. And so the curriculum, the curriculum was nowhere near what they're advertising yeah. here, it, a variety of foreign languages in addition to Korean. Yeah. I'm sorry, Korean was the only I language bet. offered. It yeah. was Korean or bust. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and sorry, just just for any listeners who aren't familiar, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase or summarize the church theology, but basically, in in summary. Korea is the spiritual motherland with the heavenly culture and language. And therefore, all people, A, everyone in the future is going to speak Korean as the world becomes more you know, subsumed by the Unification Church. And everyone in it is meant to learn Korean to be ready for that transition and also to be, quote unquote, closer to the heavenly culture, effectively. Yeah. Um, so that's, the, that's, that's, that's sort of the, under, the undercurrent here for, for people that aren't aware.
1: And we were talking a little bit about the stuff that was a little bit different, but what I heard about Korean is that we will all speak it in the spiritual world. So if you don't speak Korean, if you don't speak Korean, you effectively cannot communicate with other human beings.
0: (laughs) Wow. No pressure. No pressure. So, (laughs) okay. That's, that's really interesting. And this, 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 this ties perfectly into the sort of, you know, the, the, the theme of inconsistencies. So I love the fact that you, that you heard that. And I'm actually going to make a note here. So next person I talked, I'm going to ask them what they heard about that Korean in yeah. spirit world, because for me, th- that's not that's not what I was told. I was there was no no mention of the spirit world. It was this is the heavenly culture. Uh, everyone eventually is going to be worshiping Reverend Moon. Everyone, all the like co- Korean is going to become the language that the whole world runs on, and we need to, you know, we need to be ready because we're going to be leaders in that mm-hmm. you know, in that paradigm basically. That was sort of the practical aspect and then the also kind of like spiritual aspect was like it will bring you closer to god to to know the the mother tongue basically
1: yeah Um, you had to really understand korean in order to fully understand reverend moon and his divine theology yeah so unless you read the divine principle in korean yeah um sorry you weren't getting the full story
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly and and there i think there was this there is this kind of like underlying theme of like you're you won't develop spiritually as much as you could Mm -hmm. if you could read it in Korean if you could like really Mm -hmm. understand where 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 the the source came from Uh, and that was part of it but yeah just just kind of part of the theology
1: which kind of boggles my mind I'm like you know shouldn't you know if something is true shouldn't it be easily conveyed If you know a truth is universal, isn't that something that should be easily conveyed across like you know languages and cultures and Mm. human barriers? You know what I mean? Like we talk about the golden rules. Yeah. And I feel like truth is truth, you know? Yeah. And uh, the way they say it is like to be a true parent, to be a true person, to be a true family. Like it's just it's just something you feel instinctively. And I guess that's true for some things, you know what I mean? Like killing people bad. Mm. Don't do it. Yeah, I get it.
2: Yeah. My kids
1: get it. Not yeah. a good thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't lie. Yeah. Not a good thing. Not good for you. Not good for others. Just not a good yeah. practice. And I feel like those are the basics, you know. And so it doesn't matter if you speak English and I speak.
2: Yeah, yeah, we can all
1: agree that
0: there should be a base. It's going
1: and lying is bad.
0: The the baseline is should kind of be like just treat others as you would wish to be treated, and Uh and that you can do that without speaking their language. Um, you can just like not be an asshole even if you don't speak <laughs> yeah. korean it's 100 yeah. possible but that's kind of based on the theology it's like it's like if you don't speak korean you're probably a bit of an asshole <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> is the, is the underlying that's like part of it right they never that was never said explicitly but that is part of it is like is like that little extra bit of asshole you're never going to get rid of yeah. unless you learn to speak Korean.
1: Sorry. You're just going to be a horrible person. Yeah, you're yeah. just going to be like, you're only going to be like 80% perfect. Exactly. You need an 85 to pass this test.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, man. oh man. It's I'm, bizarre.
0: Can, yeah. 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 Wow. Mm-hmm. And actually I just wanted to ask, just going back to the, the education, cause this is interesting. So this is not something, this is like, this is something that the unification church did, but and does evidently still mm-hmm. but you know a lot of other religious religious groups have this sort of paradigm of of you know trying to like sh- ship their second generation into these you know dorms or places like like to sort of give them certain experiences during their formative years mm-hmm. and their educations really suffer as a, as a result. We're, we're not unique. If you look at some of the the cult literature out there, it's a, it's a tried and true practice effectively. And so I guess I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, one kind of red flag that, that, that stood out to me was like you said, you said, okay, there's 30 kids here that across four years of high school. So how can you possibly teach all the subjects for all four years with that number of students and presumably like I- I'm assuming they don't have the same number of teachers as a, a normal high school mm-hmm. would to no. facilitate that. So what was this, what was the sort of story there?
1: So I think maybe, so I would say that I was a freshman going in and I would say the majority of the students across both genders were, freshmen, but there were also okay. some sophomores and juniors. Okay, There was maybe one or two individuals who were seniors and who are about to go into college. And so what the school advertised is that students would be able to take courses at the university of Bridgeport. You know, okay. you would be able to take some extracurricular courses. You okay. would be able to take chemistry and algebra and math okay. and the sciences. And so What's interesting about that is that never actually materialized.
0: Okay. No surprise.
1: So, so they had, they had teachers for each one of the, each one of the subjects, but I remember the first year was a little chaotic in that I think they had a hard time keeping teaching staff for whatever the reason.
0: Were they, were they only hiring church members?
1: Yes, they were only church members. Okay. And so What's interesting is that, you know, so these church members would have to be like accredited teachers. And so the okay. other thing I want to add here is the school is never accredited. Okay. So I attended for two and a half years or two, two and three quarters years. Yeah. And the reason I say two and three quarters is because... Um, three quarters of the way into my junior year, I was actually thrown out of school. Yeah. I was graduated quote unquote early.
2: Yeah. And I was let's come not back allowed to,
1: to finish. Let's yeah, we'll come, come back, come to that. back after yeah. that. To, was not allowed to finish my high school education. And so when I was graduated in my junior year, I did not effectively have a high school diploma okay. since the school was not accredited. And okay. so, you know, <laughs> on their press release, they're advertising a world class education it's a college prep school it's yeah. effectively what they're saying a college yeah. prep school preparing students for like some of the best colleges in the world yeah and and listen you you're in connecticut right you you're in the, you're on the you're in the northeast united states yeah. and on the northeast for people who are not familiar with the american education system there's like many ivy league schools yeah,
2: yeah.
1: within a couple states and so it would make sense okay there's a lot of college prep schools in in Connecticut yeah and so you know geographically it made sense but the curriculum did not support that and you know did they have enough teachers to 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 support what they were looking to do you know for grades for throughout the year no yeah you know I think I think these teachers did their best but I don't think that they were actually functionally qualified I think one of our teachers the science teacher was the only one who was a certified teacher with experience in the classroom. The rest of them were just yeah, I, just I a guess, church
0: member. Their 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 qualifications their qualifications <laughs> yeah. were they were a church member, right? They
1: were effectively so, you know. And I, I guess context for individuals who are just joining us, the Unification Church did found a seminary school yeah. in. Where is it? Barrytown? Barrytown. Barrytown.
0: Is it Barrytown or Terrytown? I get them confused. Yep.
1: Terrytown. Oh, no, I think it's Barrytown. Yeah, Barrytown. Uh, it's right
0: yeah, at, yeah, yeah, Terrytown's yeah, where it's, Belvedere it's, is. Barrytown's yeah. for the north, I think. Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, it's it's right outside of Red Hook, New York, yeah. right by kind of like near Rhinebeck, upstate New York. Yeah. And um, they bought this beautiful, beautiful old seminary. And, you know, I think their idea was to really like educate educate members and, yeah. and go to the seminary of yeah. which my father is a graduate.
2: Okay. But
1: functionally, I, I don't think that was an accredited university either. Oh, Okay. <laughs> and anyway, so like, it's, it's interesting when I think about it, I'm like, did I make all this up? Was this a fever dream? Am I Alice in mm-hmm. Wonderland and just swimming along in yeah. my trauma? Yeah. You know, but then I look at what they're putting out there and I look at what I, my personal experience and yeah. collections were and I'm like, nope. No, it's pretty on point, you know, for somebody. And it's difficult, I think, for a young adult or a child, you know, because you're in a scenario where you believe the adults around you and that is the truth, right? You believe the adults, you believe that they know best, and you believe that's the truth. And then when you start, and so I think education in itself is a very powerful tool, and it makes sense that high demand groups would want to control that narrative yeah because i feel like to me education is a way of teaching a young mind to question their world yeah right to look to question find information find facts confirm your information and from there draw your conclusion right you have a thesis and then you have your your research and then you have your conclusion and you know as you kind of go down that path and I feel like it wasn't really until I got to college that I really thought about these things and you look back and you question, you know, you have a thesis, you're like, well, this is what I think I believe. Yeah. And then you do your research and then you come to your conclusion you're like, mm, Nope, <laughs> that's yeah. not jiving yeah. with the information and the facts and-, and the information that I've collected for myself, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's really, yeah, that, like you said, that's why they want to control that, that aspect and I just I wanted to just to kind of go back to this this idea that like this is not something that that's unique in, in mm-hmm. the unification church so I read I don't know sometime in the last year or so I read a book written by it was actually i think it's written by three girls who grew up in the children of god which mm-hmm. is you know another cult for those unfamiliar with it so they're like like us they're a second generation born in born into that mm-hmm. and they were talking about their their experiences i honestly couldn't even couldn't even read it because i couldn't even finish reading it it made me sick to my stomach mm-hmm. but one one thing that, that 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 really hit me like a sledgehammer was they talk about how uh, in the children of god at some point once they had sort of a, a bunch of of kids who were born into the movement the leaders in the cult basically agreed that since all of the kids had joined and hadn't had these extreme conversion experiences that their parents did they agreed that as as a as an organization they needed to to put in place you know structures and programs to incite those sorts of intense conversion experiences in their kids. Mm -hmm. So it basically thus began in the children of God, effectively a a program of institutional indoctrination from
1: Mm -hmm. the top down,
0: And it resulted in, in the kids, in many cases, being sent to specific schools and dorms, just like what happened to you, just like what happened to me when I went to Korea when I was 13. And in fact, they also, it it was specifically in the children of God, it was specifically called, called teen training, which Mm -hmm. is very similar to when I was, when I was growing up, there was one workshop that was called hell training. So a summer workshop called hell training, which is very similar to teen training and honestly like just for me reading that and just kind of seeing the similarities I it kind of it actually really kind of it changed my perception of of what I what I experienced as a kid because it was before reading that it was possible to view all of this stuff as sort of like a a bunch of like misguided but well-intentioned you know Mm -hmm. initiatives by a bunch of grown-ups that were sort of trying to do Mm -hmm. the best for their kids but actually no reading that it mm-hmm. m- makes me feel very very strongly that at some point in the unification church someone had that exact same realization mm-hmm.
1: and basically
0: said from the top down we need to put these programs in to indoctrinate our kids mm-hmm. because otherwise once they get once they come of age they're going to start asking too many questions and they're going to leave and i think NEA is a perfect example of that the GOP program that i was that i was in are perfect examples of that and I, mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience is like specifically but certainly mine was focused on korean overall like church indoctrination doing all kinds of like you know spiritual stuff to try to mm-hmm. you know make you believe in the church more basically and education was 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 far down the list it was 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 not very not very not very high on the list at, at all in mm-hmm. my experience and it sounds like in your experience too for sure,
1: I think honestly, I don't remember anything that I remember I learned in high school. But I can still read Korean to this mm. day. To this day, that's kind of like my parlor trick. I'm like, you want to go out for bulgogi? Watch this. I'm going to read you this menu. No idea what I'm saying because we have okay. a very cursory understanding of okay. Korean. Mm-hmm. I think I think I remember, <laughs> and so. The Pledge. Do you remember the Pledge? Yeah,
0: yeah, like- yeah, Hold on. Let's stop there for a second. I need to explain what Pledge is for people that did not grow up in this cult. I will do my best to explain now and get right back to the interview. When we were kids, we had to wake up at 5 a.m. every Sunday and sometimes on other days of the year uh, to stand in front of an altar of Reverend Moon's family and do some praying and do some singing, but also to recite... Very specific words, effectively pledging ourselves to doing their bidding. And what Donna is referring to is the bulk of her education being centered on learning how to recite this in Korean for kids who don't speak Korean as a native language. So here goes. Imagine this spoken in Korean being the only thing you learn about in high school. My pledge, number three of five. So this is just one paragraph of five, not including the introduction that we all needed to recite. Here goes, it's a clangor. My pledge, number three. As a true son or daughter, I will follow our father, that is Reverend Sung Myung Moon, I will follow our father's pattern and charge bravely forward into the enemy camp until I have judged them completely with the weapons with which he has been defeating the enemy Satan for me throughout the course of history by sowing sweat for earth, tears for man, and blood for heaven as a servant but with a father's heart in order to restore his children and the universe lost to Satan. This I pledge. Just let that sink in for a second. Imagine every week of your life waking up at 5 a.m., bowing to this family, reciting those words, along with a few other paragraphs that encompass similar themes of pledging yourself and your life to being a servant of Reverend Moon and his family. And then imagine in high school, your entire education being focused on simply reciting those words in Korean. With that, back to the interview.
1: It started Ooh, with like five. Honey, really, oh my God. So there were five. Yeah,
2: and then I remember I think that. They
1: added on to them and then they yeah. became seven and then there were yeah. eight and I think they ended up with nine or something like yeah. that. So effectively, we got this Korean book and we had to learn the alphabet the first year and we learned how to read yeah. it, you know, to read the alphabet to actually do it. And we learned some basic like hello and, and mm. vocabulary. But the largest part of it, the largest piece of it, I remember, like our final was we had to memorize our family pledge in Korean. Oh my God. And so it was a very bizarre, I remember this to oh this day, God. it was a very, very bizarre moment because I remember all of the girls were on the floor of the dorms. So the, the girls were on the second floor, the boys were on the third mm-hmm. floor. And then on the fourth floor, that's where the family, like, you know, some of the college students are some college students from the Unification Church who were attending Bridgeport okay. and it was just like fifteen girls wandering around chanting the pledge in Korean. If <laughs> a stranger walked into this like and we would walk around just like I remember walking around going into the cafe, like trying to remember this pledge and like basically chanting Korean
2: over and over wow. to myself
1: as I was getting my breakfast. Wow. It was just a very like odd circumstance and and yeah. memorizing the family pledge and you know when you say like i guess when you say it that way it's like yes it was indoctrination because we would get up early in the morning to do Mm hundoke sorry can you just describe what
0: what hundoke is yeah
1: yeah it's effectively so i think at some point we were taught that we would need to study father true father on yeah. young women's words and so our, we were tasked at waking up at five o'clock in the morning prior to that we would wake up at five o'clock on sundays yeah. to do family pledge yeah. and what that consisted of is reciting the pledge
2: yeah which is what you were just talking kyung, about
1: in which what in, i was at yep yeah. mm-hmm. you would do your kyung days which is three bows, three full bows where you get down on your yep. knees and put your head on the floor, full bows to the true family. And so and just to, to a- paint
0: a picture that mm-hmm. was like, at least in my house and probably your house, you have an mm-hmm. altar somewhere mm-hmm. and you have photos of the quote unquote true, true family mm-hmm. and you're doing bows to them. And I remember that like, yeah, at first it was every Sunday you had to wake up at five to do that. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it was like in your house, but we had to, we wore a Sunday finest, like, you yeah. know, like, like wear a suit or whatever, like my dad would wear a suit. I would wear whatever, you know, mm-hmm. whatever Sunday finest is for a five-year-old. My sister would wear a nice dress and like, you know, so we did that every day at five. And then, yeah, when it was all of a sudden they were like, okay, now you got to do it every day. Basically wake up at five every day to do K. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, and and I guess just to paint the picture, my parents would wear full, and so you know we were talking a little bit about you know Korean culture, yeah, and how it seeped into the the church, and yeah. you know, listen, it's 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 a culture of a country, and it's beautiful, and I'm sure it's you know as majestic and important as all other cultures, but when you know, for me, my mom is Japanese. Okay. my dad is not my dad you okay. know his, my dad is um, caucasian and he would wear a full my mom would wear a white handbuck my dad would wear the, the male equivalent Yep. And so they would be in these robes, these white robes at five o'clock in the morning. And we would like, they were sick. Wait, of wait,
0: us. every, not just on Sundays, but every day.
1: No, 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 no. Every Sunday, just every Sunday. Just every Sunday. Just oh, every okay. Sunday. All
2: right. Okay. And every Sunday they would okay.
1: wear the full prayer robes. Okay. And you know, I know, and, and I learned later that it's, it's, it's from Korean culture, but they would have these altars and they would pile fruit. Yep. You know, it, they would just be like yeah. altars with fruits and candy yeah. and things like that. And it would be yeah. kind of like these offerings. Yeah, and the offering table is what was a yep. big thing, and so yep. we had that in our in our house. And you know, for full context, I had six kids in my family, and yeah. oftentimes we didn't have enough money for food, but we did have enough money to stock that altering table, that offering table. So anyway, so yeah, so I think at some point oh,
0: that's horrible. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's no. like heartbreaking. It, I'm so sorry to hear it, that. No. Um, it is that, what it
1: is it is you know it's I don't know it's wow. I, you can only laugh about these things now I I can only laugh about them because I am so far removed it's, like I said I'm 20 I mean, years out
0: yeah honestly that's just so sickening to mm-hmm. me it's just like my my mm-hmm. stomach is turning now and I can feel my yeah. blood boiling just just thinking about yeah. this this you know institution that, that 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 forces families to do that I mean come on
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: You're like, seriously, hold on. Like, like, was this like, Hey, everyone out there is, is this part of the dream of world peace, like forcing families to starve? Is that, is that, is that part of the plan here? Just, just think mm-hmm. about that for a second and going back to your, going back to, to the point you made earlier, mm-hmm. if you let's say you had a friend mm-hmm. and your friend explained to you that they were in a religious movement that mm-hmm. forced them to create towers of food to put in front of a picture of a person and because they, and they had to bow to them and they could do that, but they didn't have enough money to feed themselves because they were creating, they were creating these towers of food as offerings to these photos. Mm -hmm. Someone said that to you, what would you say to them about that way of thought and how healthy it is for them and their family? What, What would you say? What would you say about the priorities there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're definitely a little bit off. You yeah, know? and I, I, I think, I think, I think it it wasn't just the building those towers of food. It was many, many things. Oh
2: yeah, yeah.
1: In- <laughs> and that's <laughs> a very
0: physical embodiment. It's a, a very like physical you know, embodiment, yeah. but like, yeah. There's, I know yeah. there's a
1: lot more. I know there's so much to impact Just like in those little things, you know. But yeah, yeah. And so I think at some point it became not just Sundays, but it became every day. It yeah. became a hundo where and so as, you know, in high school at New Eden Academy, we'd wake up every morning. And I don't remember if it was like 5.30 or 6 o'clock. I feel like it was 6 o'clock. So okay. 6 o'clock or 6. I feel like it's 6. Okay. 6 o'clock every morning, the dorm mother would kind of go over the loudspeaker. She would play this like classical music and it would be like, wake up. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Wake up time to get up. time for hundo okay? and all of the students would kind of file downstairs in, in various you know various stages of being awake and we'd go downstairs and we'd be like an hour hundo okay, where they would read pray you know read speeches i think the headmaster at the time would definitely give some kind of like morning service yeah. and that would be every morning and then we'd go uh, to breakfast
2: yeah.
1: and you know which in itself isn't so bad like listen I understand. School starts early now. I mean, like yeah. you, you know, high school. Yeah,
0: I, I, I went. I mean, when you're I was,
1: there early in the morning.
0: Yeah. yeah, when I was in public school, I caught a bus at like six thirty in the morning or something. You know, I, I know which I, isn't it's early. which yeah.
1: isn't terrible. Like yeah. it is what it is. But yeah. you know, it's it's just the fact that like so that would happen. But honestly, it was the most structured part of the day, mm. right? So we would go to we would go to our classes, and I remember just all of the teachers kind of winging it. (laughs) I think I remember, and this is, so the first year, the first year was a cluster, right? Because there was no dorm and we were just kind of like, I feel like we were just kind of getting through, right? Because we would have classes in the dorm and we would also have classes in one of the, on like the eighth or ninth floor of one of the old, one of the college of the college buildings. Okay. I think it was ABC. And so we would do that. And then on Sundays, we would go to, we would go, we would have a morning service. But then on weekends, we were like largely left to our own devices. Mm. There was no adult supervision. And I remember like, you know, just thinking about that. Just thinking about, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like, I think about my own child who's six. And I look at teenagers now and just the idea of a bunch of teenagers in a dorm room, completely unsupervised at Mm -hmm. that age, as a parent, that kind of makes my stomach drop
2: (laughs) just a little bit. Yeah.
1: And yeah.
0: I, don't know, I was just I was just gonna say I speaking to someone who who did the mm-hmm. the GOP program with me in Korea, which for anyone who's unfamiliar with is kind of similar to what your experience what what you've described, but just a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. So I was I was 13, 14, and it was in Korea, mm-hmm. which was a big difference. But anyway, someone described that that whole experience as Lord of the Flies. Um, which 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 it basically was like you had you had the you had these these periods of like like super structured you know we're gonna wake up and do korean and okay and all this crap but then come like end of day boom you can do whatever you want weekends boom you know everywhere we were like you know we were 13 years old and like taking the subway across across seoul to go to like wherever and yeah it was just there was like some just some really bonkers off the wall stuff happened and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 honestly like for for anyone for anyone who's wondering what about the real world implications about about that like there was a kid a couple years before me i don't know if if you know this this person who these kids again lord of the fly situation they're playing Playing in these dorm or like dorms in Korea, this guy I won't name his name, but he basically they were playing tag on top of these buildings, and apparently there's there I think it was on the fourth floor of the building. You could jump from one building to the other from like one one balcony to the other, and they're all like running around playing tag. Apparently this guy like got confused about like where he was on the building, and he jumped and he thought there was going to be a balcony for him to jump onto, and there wasn't. So he fell four stories and broke his back. He then apparently he crawled up crawled up the stairs and told people what happened and no one believed him. That's how oh bad, that's how bad this level of negligence can get. You know, this is, we're not talking yeah. about like, this is not some cute story of, you mm. know, you know, these kids having this great experience. No, fuck that. I'm sorry. It's, it's negligent. Mm. It's child abuse. That's, that's what mm-hmm. it is. And like, it, yeah, it's, you know, it may, may sound harsh to say it, but that's, that's the reality. Mm. And, like, I, like you're a parent now, I'm a parent now. I would never, ever, mm. ever, ever no. subject my kid to that.
1: No. And look, I, you know, I know boarding schools are, they're a thing. You know
2: what I mean? Yeah. Like
1: there's many of them and there's a culture of them. Yeah, there's, there's that. But, you know, I think, I think on some level, you know, was it a growth experience looking, you know, yes, it absolutely yeah. was. Yeah, Was it what I needed at the time? Probably not. Yeah you know and i guess to put into perspective the real world ramifications of this listen the second year the second year i don't remember exactly why this changed so we were back in the dorms this would effectively be my sophomore year of high school and for some reason some of the teachers were asked either asked not to return or just didn't return. And so we ended up doing correspondence courses, basically (laughs) homeschooling through the state of Connecticut. And I remember instead of classes, instead of classwork, we would go to our science class and sit there and do our workbooks. Mm. And just for giggles, I looked up my records at, in, for the state of Connecticut okay. just to see and there was nothing like there was no record of me being a there's student. no
0: record of you being of you going to school <laughs> no
1: record of me going to school <laughs> there's nothing there's nothing and I I see this with like laughter because honestly I don't I don't remember doing any math I yeah. remember there were two classes that I functionally had assignments and did school work for that was Korean because I was afraid of my we were all afraid of the Korean teacher like she yes we were all afraid of her yeah and earth science okay and and the physical sciences and I remember doing because I think that was the only other teacher with actual teaching experience and I do appreciate I do appreciate what he tried to do yeah but there was really no math there was English to a point there was computer science to a point.
2: Yeah.
1: I think we were we were taught how to bu- how to build websites, but I think at some point they kind of realized that giving students access to the internet was probably <laughs> not a good idea.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Effectively because I I remember this one instance. I remember being in the computer lab and I remember we were allowed to have email addresses and I signed into my Yahoo account because that's what we, I, we had AOL instant yeah. yeah. messenger, which I was able to access and I had um, a Yahoo account and, and my best friend who had gone to school the first year, but then went to like a regular high school the second year. yeah. She emailed me this article and for those of you who don't know, I think Reverend Samuel Wu and his wife, Hapjahan, had like 14 children, 14. Yeah. And um, it was an article yeah. written about one of the sons who had very sadly committed suicide Mm. by jumping off a balcony in Las Vegas. And and my girlfriend sent me that article and I think I had opened it and I was reading it and I exclaimed, and at that very moment, the headmaster happened to be walking by and uh, yeah. Very shortly after that, I remember I no longer had access. To <laughs> they must have realized that having access to information outside of yeah. controlled information was probably not a good idea. Yeah, you know, and so were their intentions good to give us world class education to give us a world class education to get it to college? Maybe, I don't know, but I think I think at some point during the way they realized that as you educate youth you know and you teach them things like questioning and you know just critical thinking skills yeah. and how to find information and how to yeah. research and how to look up references I think they understand, they, they realize that you know it's it's only so much that they can control you know yeah. then the narrative kind of slips out of their yeah. and you know where does that leave a lot of people you know you talked about like the physical the physical aspects of that neglect. Yeah. You know, I think there's very much an educational aspect to that neglect because listen, I never took the SATs. I never got any college preparation. I was graduated in junior high school and I snuck my way into community college, you know, and I am employed now.
0: You're not the only person, by the way. I know other people who have mm-hmm. similar similar stories. But sorry, please mm-hmm. please continue. No,
1: no. I mean, I, I managed to get myself into college. You know, my dad really did that. You know, I think I had one English class. So when they graduated me at the end of ju- of junior year, they were like, "Hey, Donna's only Donna only needs one English credit in order to like complete you know her education at New Eden Academy." And I'm like, "Really? That's really <laughs> fucking weird because I'm a <laughs> junior." <laughs> wait, was
0: <wait, we, laughs> that? So- is that just because they're so eager to get rid of you or we're like
1: please please or, go i don't know i don't or, know i don't know or, all i know is <laughs> just their educational
0: standards were just so weird or
1: uh, either they were so high or they were just making shit up yeah i, don't know. I feel like it's it's one or the other yeah. of those two options so apparently i needed like a credit like an english credit so my dad Enrolled me in an English course at okay. my community college, okay. my local community college, and they let me in. Bless them. I don't okay. know why or how, but they let me in. I
0: guess a community college is kind of they're, they're, kind they're of there like to be whatever. flexible. That's kind of like yeah,
1: they're yeah. Um, they're like, oh, this seventeen-year-old needs cool. Yeah,
2: exactly, <laughs> cool. exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah so, and I was in, my name was in the system, and I was managed to sign up for courses the next semester, and I just kept going and then I transferred and I'm like, I have no idea I snuck in wow. so yeah, I, I guess, and it's odd now because listen i 'm a professional, I work in an office i 'm part of corporate America. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I don't have a high school diploma. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't, I don't have one of those. And I don't have a basic fundamental knowledge of a lot of things like, you know, grammar. I have Mm. have an okay grasp of grammar. You know, I can speak and I can write. But, you know, Mm. there's definitely areas where I feel lacking, especially math, sciences and Mm especially now as I'm starting to help my six-year-olds with their yeah. homework I'm like mm, <laughs> I got nothing I'm sorry yeah yeah so it's very strange it's very strange in that respect and you know I feel like that's definitely an aspect of of neglect you know like education it is on neglect. It
0: completely is. yeah yeah it really it really is and yeah. it's something you know if anyone's looking at this and just thinking, oh, it's this kind of cute, you know, new age, mm-hmm. new age like world peace mm-hmm. type of thing. Like actually, no, mm-hmm. there are real world implications here. Real world mm-hmm. neglect, real world abuse mm-hmm. with, with real world implications on me and you and, you know, many other people, thousands of other people. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. I don't know that the specific number and actually not to change the subject, but I'm actually kind of curious. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to do a bit of like mental math here about sort yeah. of how many of us there are. And just for anyone who might be who might be curious and I guess I, I, I was I was thinking, okay, so there's, you know, I can think of a Facebook group where there's I think something like between seven or eight hundred, you know, second mm-hmm. generation people like me and you who have left. But if I think about that, there's only like I, I there's a lot of second generation I know that aren't in there, uh, mm-hmm. that aren't part of that group. So what I'm saying is that that group is a, a small fraction of the overall mm. number of us that are, that are out there. Yeah. Um, and I'm just trying to kind of, I'm trying to think of like, what's the, and actually just doing a bit of like mental math, right? I like, so my parents are part of the 1800 couples blessing. Uh, mm. Your parents, I think were too. So,
1: you know what i don't know the number they they got met so back in the 80s when the church was huge they yeah. got married at madison square garden oh uh, they were mad okay that was the
0: next one okay my parents were yep. before then 1800 yeah. was was in 75 which is yeah. mad- and so when i say 1800 it's 1800 couples got effectively arranged married at, by reverend moon in mm-hmm. 1975 and that wasn't the first the first set to to happen but at that point Mm -hmm. it was the biggest and then madison square garden i think was like between five and ten thousand couples i want to say something it
1: was i think that was their largest wasn't it i think that was
0: i mean let's say it's five you know let's say it's five thousand couples
1: Mm -hmm.
0: plus you know call it two thousand with my parents plus a few like a few others let's just say it was only eight thousand couples and i think Mm -hmm. it was more than that you know, the average, probably the average couple had two kids, I would say, two to three kids. Oh, no, I, think, I mean, so you, wait, you're, you're one of what? How many? Yeah. yeah. Huh. I remember
1: like an anecdote from my dad. Okay. Like, there is something in the church where if you had, and I, I I would like, I would love to have somebody else, like, kind of back me up on this but according to my dad if you had seven children like you would get some kind of like monetary award or wow. a reward for having seven kids <laughs> I, it couldn't have been that big, big significant of a number quite honestly yeah and then i also remember like so i guess from madison square garden yeah my girlfriend and i who was like my good girlfriend we refer yeah. to ourselves as watermelon babies okay because i guess so in the church I think there is something called like a 3-day
0: ceremony. Do you Oh, I, I oh yeah, I know about that. <laughs> so I know sure about that? that. We can, we can <laughs> dig into that if you want. Sorry everyone, let me jump in here on a couple points. Number 1, I don't know what happened to the audio there, but Donna said that she was one of 6 kids. And secondly, she mentions this 3-day ceremony. That is a very specific ceremony within the Unification Church that is a prescriptive way of having sex for the first time when you are married within the church it involves a certain sequence of woman on top then man on top or vice versa or something like that it also includes doing that in front of a photo of reverend moon and dedicating the entire act and any kids that come from it to reverend moon
1: so if you were part of like that Madison Square Garden blessing, and I don't know if it was just the okay. trusted area okay. for reference. I, yeah. my parents were blessed. They lived in New York. I now yeah. live in New Jersey. She's okay. from New Jersey. Okay. Um, I guess all couples who, like, successfully had children from that thing were, were yeah. given watermelons.
2: <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. If they had children
0: from the three-day ceremony.
1: No, <laughs> so you're we joking. Like, this, like, it was an odd reward for, like, having children, you know? And that is it, like, so weird. Yeah, and I guess, like, just for reference, the church theology, like, a big tenet of the theology was the creation of the ideal family, yes. right? Like, you would yeah. go Get blessed, matched, and blessed with a partner chosen by the Messiah, yeah. Reverend Sun Myung Mood. And, you know, that would be spirit worlds like choosing your ideal perfect partner. And then with yeah. your perfect partner, you would live by the church's teachings build a true family and from these true from this true family this true love between between uh, man and wife yeah you'd have children and yeah. that, that would be us we're perfect we're yeah. perfect without relig- original Obviously. fan you know, like i'm amazing
2: yeah.
1: and so those perfect children were then you know we our children would be the third generation right yeah. and so growing up the real focus of you know, and so education aside, right? And so the focus of yeah. us was really to, to maintain our purity. Yes. Which is to not have sex.
2: Yeah.
1: Or think impure thoughts, which yeah. is like basically, you know, anything related to sex or yeah. anything related to sexual thoughts about, yeah. the, uh, about the opposite um, gender Our brothers. Yeah. As a yeah. sister, I was not supposed to have unholy thoughts about yeah. you. And, you know, so... We so that was it. That that was it. That was your yeah. goal in life: be yeah. perfect, maintain your purity, go to the blessing, yeah, get matched, get blessed, yeah, and then start your family and yeah. and have those those third generation babies yeah. who would then be fruitful and multiply, right? Be fruitful, yeah. multiply, and inherit the earth. And that was that was like the goal. And so, you know, I think we jokingly talk about how education wasn't really valued. You yeah. know what I mean? No, like, it wasn't. The value it wasn't. of the church wasn't so much education in the traditional sense, you know, reading, no. writing, arithmetic, no, science, let's yeah. learn this, you know, let's, let's become an educated, learned person. It was more like, how do we educate you in morality and how do we yes. educate you in becoming a God-centered person? Yeah. And, you know, when you think of it that way, when you think about where the church is really going, like the education at New Eden Academy perfectly aligned with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was less so about accreditation and yeah. being legal and, you know, following rules and, yeah. you know, really giving you a true education in terms yeah. of what we traditionally think of. It was really yeah. about like, K Yeah. was their goal. Hundoke yep. was the goal. Yep. On Sundays, we would wake up and we'd go to Belvedere. So Belvedere, for okay. those who don't know, is, is the Moon's estate
2: yep.
1: in uh, in Tarrytown. Mm-hmm. That is a big estate. And they would give speeches there. And the speeches would be hours and hours. Yeah. And so we'd go on Sundays. Or we'd go to East Garden, which is another one of the Moon's private residences Yeah.
2: yeah. also. I didn't
0: even realize, Valley. wait, those are two different mm-hmm. things? Belvedere yeah, and East Garden? So I thought Belvedere they were like the same thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Nope.
0: Okay. No, Because there, one's speakers. not enough. One's not enough. One's need not two. enough
1: no let's not even talk about the ones that you know uh, my dad maintained one for them it was called like, uh, the, uh the king garden in in hawaii it was like this like this mansion that no, it, was called- a, it was it was the king garden and uh, on the uh, big island of hawaii and okay. everything was like beautiful
2: yeah and empty yeah
1: the majority of the time and oh, so you know when you think about it in terms of like the church's teachings and what their real focus is which is god-centered education you know that makes perfect sense that they would be more focused on whether or not you woke up for a hundred and yeah. whether or not you memorized the, the pledge in Korean yeah. or, you know, you attended Sunday service
2: yeah.
1: or, you know, God forbid you were a girl who talked to boys or you were mm-hmm. a boy who talked to girls yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like, God forbid that happened, and and I guess that brings me to my story about how I got kicked out uh, as a junior in high school. Yeah, 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 <laughs> no. yeah.
0: I want to. I, I definitely want to ask you about that because I think it's a yeah. fairly. Well, it's fairly. I, I I don't know how unique it is, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But you know, for for me, my experience was very much like. I chose, I, I chose to leave. I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll let you just say what happened to you, but yeah, I, yeah. it's just a different, it's a, it's, it's, it, it, it's a different experience. That's it for part one of my interview with Donna Cervelli. She definitely had a different experience leaving the church than I did. Mine was a bit of an intellectual slow burn. I noticed flaws and things that were wrong over a long period of time. And eventually the final penny dropped and I decided mentally and rationally to, to leave the cocoon of this cult. That was my experience, but her experience her experience was very different. As you'll hear in part two, she was kicked out for being a human. That's what this cult does. It chews you up and spits you out for being human. I hope you take the time to listen to episode two, and I'd like to thank Donna again for her time. If you have any questions or comments, hit me up on Twitter at FallingOutPod, or look us up on the web at FallingOutPod.com. I'd love to hear some feedback from anyone who's interested. Again, I hope this has brought some value into your life, and please do listen out for episode two.